We're going to, if you look in the bulletin, there's two talks this morning. There's the first talk, and then there's the second talk. So that would be two. The first one, uh, so here's what's happening. I'll give you an example. Today, we were supposed to start a new series, but one of our families that was going to be an important part of the series is trapped uh, in Colorado Springs. And so it wouldn't have made sense for me to say what I was going to say without the, the other person saying what they were going to say. Uh, but we're going to start a new series. I'll talk about that during the second talk. So what I decided to do uh, on yesterday, I think is when this, we figured this out, is I had to change and kind of add and create a new beginning talk. So we're going to do one more week on generosity. And uh, so turn to First John with me. And I, I'm going to do this. I hopefully will go pretty quick with this. First John, chapter 1. 1 through 7. Now, we've been talking about generosity, uh, and, and I haven't really mentioned money, and I don't think I'm going to mention money again today. I think we all kind of understand that when we're, we're trying to be generous, uh, finances are a part of that. But here's the, I think, I think as I was reading a little bit, as I was thinking more, like, what's one more thing I can say about generosity? I landed my helicopter, which kind of just flies all over the place like a crazy person. That's how my brain works. It's like, chick, 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 chick. <laughs> and I just landed. I'm like, okay, this is the word. And here's the deal. What I'm going to talk about today, uh, whether you believe it or not, is my primary gifting. Not, my, not the words I'm going to say, but how I'm wired and the thing that the spiritual gifts and how God has shaped me. I'm going to speak. This is the thing I'm going to ask everybody else to do. But it's my natural inclination. It's what, how God has wired me. So let me read this to you. 1 John 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, concerning the good news, concerning the gospel. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us, for which we have seen and heard, and we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the, with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. This is, this, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. God is light, and in him, there is, in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship. The final piece of gener generosity I want to talk about is hospitality. So being generous begins and ends with God's gift to us, the good news, the gospel. He has given us the gift of the good news and our job is to proclaim the good news. This is what John is saying to, to his people, to the tribes, that if you know and touch and feel and have tasted Jesus, and you know what that feels like, it's our job to proclaim it then, to testify it, to talk about it, to, to begin to, to share it. 
And John, all of his letters, John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and even Revelation, all point and talk and give examples of divine hospitality, of what it looks like to fellowship with God, to be in God's presence. And as a result of being in God's presence, our job as the church to show hospitality. The hospitality of God. Now think about that. Like God's generous hospitality to us. What has he done? He has invited us to participate in his blessing. He's invited us to, to join in relationship with him. He's invited us to be a part of his family. He's invited us into his house. He's asked us to be a part of his meal. He's in, in, we're going to share the meal together today. He's invited us to be a part of his everything. He's brought us in. He's shown us the most incredible hospitality. And John captures this and talks about it and writes about it regularly. The woman at the well, we usually think of as, as Jesus uh, sharing the good news. We think of it as Jesus showing uh, the, the attacking sin. It's a picture of hospitality. It's a picture of Jesus saying, I want to invite you into relationship. I'm welcoming you into my conversation. Now here's the deal. The hospitality is the most common form of generosity shown in all the New Testament. Anytime hospitality is, uh, well, it's talked more about than giving. It's talked more about than, than taking offering. It's showing hospitality, giving hospitality, inviting the outsider in, giving care to the ones who, need, who are sick, giving care to the needy, giving a coat to the, to the unclothed. That's hospitality. And the church, the church has a wonderful opportunity to show hospitality to the world, and that's us acting out in generosity. So when, when John's talking about You've seen, you've touched, you've tasted, you've heard, you've you've felt the word of life. You've received the gospel. You know the word. And the life was made manifest so that we testify about it, so that we talk about it, so that we proclaim it. And when you have these things, you have fellowship. You have fellowship with God. You've been brought into relationship with God. You have fellowship with him. But then because of that, now we have fellowship with one another. And there's this, there's this movement that happens. Anybody do pre-marriage counseling where the pastor or whoever you did marriage counseling did the, uh, did the whole, like, there's the... Uh... <laughs> you guys have... Did anybody get this one? Here's Aaron... Hey, hey, Ron. Here's Veronica. She's back there. And as you grow closer to Jesus, what else do you do? You go closer to each other. Anybody have that diagram? Anybody? That is classic pre-marriage counseling. And so what's the pastor trying to teach? What's the pre- He's like, you need to work on your walk with the Lord. As you walk with Jesus, you'll actually, in your marriage, you'll actually grow closer to each other. And it's, it's, it's part of, and this is what John's saying. 
because you've tasted, touched, and felt Jesus, and you're growing with him, and you're having fellowship with him, you actually get to have fellowship with one another in a deeper way. And that deeper fellowship that you have with one another actually propels our activity so that we invite other people in to participate in that same fellowship. And he's showing the relationship that we have with God actually is a catalyst to spiritual activity, like giving, like uh, sharing our, our homes, like, uh, in, like going and, and serving at a soup kitchen. Like all those activities are actually a response to our relationship with Jesus. And it all starts when God shows his generous hospitality towards us by giving us the good news, by sending Jesus, the gospel. It is the building block for all generosity. And it actually is the motivation for the church to live together in crazy, exciting fashion. So if we didn't have the gospel, if we didn't have the good news drawing us into activity, what would we be? We would be a, a Kiwanis club. Does anybody know what the Kiwanis club does besides collect old hearing aids? I mean, the line, I mean, it, who knows what they all do, right? What does the Kiwanis club do? I don't even know. They put benches in parks. Awesome. Lions club collects hearing aids for what? And glasses to do what? To people that need it. Uh, the Shriners, they, draw, they do figure eights at parades. They wear funny hats. They have a children's hospital. What's their motivation? Why do they do it? Nobody knows. They just do it. You know what it usually is for? It's for a resume. It's I was a part of this. Or somebody who's running for office or trying to work up some sort of city ladder. It's, I was a part of this club, I was a part of this club, I was a part of this club. But what's the motivation? The church has an, has an intrinsic motivation. The good news. The gospel of Jesus propels us into activity to where our, our movement towards other people, when we put a park bench in a, in a, in a park, it's because we want somebody that's tired to sit down and rest because Jesus has given us rest. When we collect hearing aids, which we're never going to do, <laughs> we, we find somebody in our church who has the ability to put that hearing aid on somebody, which is my wife, and give them service, not because she wants to make money being an audiologist, but because she's going to use her education and her gifts and the skills that she has to help somebody else because Jesus has helped her. Our motivation is different. And so when we show hospitality, it's not because we're part of a club. It's because we want to impact the world in which we live in. And it's a gift. We've received all of these things for ourselves. We've received new life. So we just are in, we're showing as much hospitality to others to bring them in. Fellowship. <clears throat> so I've been here for a year, and I've listened to people, visitors. I've had conversations with visitors who've come and, and have kind of stuck. And one of the things that they will say about Casper Alliance Church is this church is so friendly. They just, re they welcome me in. 
They, uh, she's not here, but Linda. Linda said, this church, when we came and visited, and for a, a person, since we're all friends here, for a person to visit when there's no pastor and to stick is pretty impressive, by the way. That doesn't happen. And Linda said, this church has received me. They, they showed me love, and they wanted to know me, and that's fellowship. And that's not motivated by wanting to grow. That's motivated by what God is doing within us. And as the Spirit is shaping us and moving us, you, you have this longing to reach out and to grab people and to touch them and to bring them into the fellowship and to show them, and this is the word, hospitality. We don't clean the church because, because it makes us uncomfortable. Maybe some people do with the bathrooms because they smell a little bit weird. I've had that conversation. But we clean the church because we want people who come here to feel comfortable and to show them hospitality and, not, and, to, and to be okay with our building. We kill mice here because we don't want mice running through the church because people go, ooh, <laughs> get a cat. So hospitality is not... The gift, it's not a gift that we like receive or possess, but it's like a way of life. It's how we live out our life. And as, you, as you're pursuing Jesus, and even if we were to erase the names here, <clears throat> as we pursue Jesus and we're just to put church and church, and we come closer together as a church, that draw towards others becomes really attractive. And so the most attractive thing to the community is a group of people who love Jesus so passionately to where they're, when you walk in, you just feel it. You sense it. You can taste it. You can touch it like what John's talking about to where the good news emanates out of us. We've had other pastors who've come here and they've said, there's just something that's different about this place. This place, it just, it echoes good news. I met with oh, a pastor of a decent-sized church in my office. He said, there's a, there's a feel here at this building that just says gospel. You just feel it here. And that's what you want. You want a church. Because what that does is when somebody comes in, we don't even have to work to show them hospitality. We're inviting them in and saying, you're welcome here, and we love Jesus. And as a response of that, we will do anything we can to show you the good news, to give you the good news, to say you're part of our family. And at the end of the day, hospitality says, I want you to be a part of my family. I want to invite you into my household, to my family. I want you to sit at my table, to eat at my table, to participate in my table and have fellowship. As we walk, as John says, as we walk in light, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So as we walk with Jesus, fellowship is just a natural byproduct of who we are, which then hospitality is the fruit of that or the thing that you can put your hand on. My primary gift that I have as a human being is hospitality. I serve out of hospitality. I might have talked about this before, but why do you think we've had so many meals since I've come here? I don't, it's, it's, it's natural. I have to turn that off. I've talked about it before. I, like Jinx has, Jinx has said to me, we need to stop with all the eating. I'm like, I can. It's like part of who I am. Because that's, that's how I make connection. One of the reasons we bought the house we did is because I want to be able to have people in our home. You couldn't sit in our home, our rental house. Like, there, you could have two people over. That's not showing hospitality. And so that's how I, that's how I live. I wanted it. 
Here, I'm trying to think about, remember how I switched offices down the hall? One of the changes was just the vibe of the room. And, and you come in, and it's just open. I don't know if you've sat in there or been in there. It's open, and there's a couch and a couple of chairs, and there's no executive desk that blocks the way to where you can't get past. And if you remember the old office, like, you would come in there, there's nowhere to sit, and you'd come in, and there'd be a block, there'd be a wall between you and the person behind doing all the work. And that's not showing hospitality or, or relationship or a, a desire to be part of family. And I think that that was one of the primary, like, I couldn't put my finger on it. There's something off about it, and I just felt wrong. And it's because it didn't feel like family in there. And so, as a, as a church, the way in which we are generous is by showing hospitality. You, you might not, you, I think we attach generosity to money too much. Generosity is, is make, and showing hospitality is making this room be comfortable for people who come in. To where they can, they know where to sit. You're like, whoa, you switch sides. <laughs> Don't switch sides, mom. <laughs> I did. I made everybody move forward. Turn with me to Romans real quick. Actually, I'm just going to read it. We're going to read Romans 12. Romans 12. But Romans 15, 7 says this, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another. Invite them in. Invite people in. Invite people into your life. Show hospitality. That's generosity. So what does hospitality actually look like in the Christian life? Christine Pohl said, hospitality is a mystery. You might not know the name. She's an academic writer. Christian hospitality is so mysterious. You can't actually always put your finger on it. Like, how do you show someone love? It's a moving target showing somebody love. Because what's showing love to you might not be what's showing love to you, and what's showing love to me might not look like. But, but it's a mystery. When we show hospitality, it, it, in, the, in a Christian sense, we're like, what is that? But you know when it's been shown to you because you can feel it. And, you can, you, you, and that's why John is using the language when you've tasted, when you've touched, when you've felt the good news. You can feel it. So when we say we got to love our neighbor, what does it mean to love our neighbor? What does it mean to go into this neighborhood over here and, 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 and to love the high days and to love the weebies who live in this neighborhood right over here? I, I don't, do we mow their lawn? If somebody showed up to mow my lawn, I'd be so happy. But there's some people you would show them on their lawn, they call the police, or you might get shot. This is why. So how do you show a neighborhood that you love them? And that's where I think it's such a great mystery with Christian hospitality, because you can't put your finger on the exact thing. But when you do finally reach it and touch it and show it, they feel it. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a weird kind of thing. So how do I show hospitality? I invite you into my home. I make you a meal. I have you sit around my table, and I make fun of you. That's how I show hospitality in my household. Or I complain about my children and say, look, my kids are just as bad as yours are. That's my showing of hospitality. And you're like, oh, I'm so comfortable. Hospitality is those things. When you can make somebody feel comfortable with you to where you get an opportunity to have a conversation and an opportunity to share the good news. How many times did Jesus show up to somebody's house to eat? Why? 
Hospitality is the gateway to the good news. It's the path to share the gospel. It's the only way in which I think we have a foolproof plan of being generous to our neighbors. So I'm saying that we need to reject the 21st century version of hospitality. 21st century hospitality looks a little bit like this. Social media posts. Happy birthday on social media. Drive-by conversations where you exit just as fast as you entered the conversation. Where you talk about nothing but the weather. I have a, such a pet peeve. I hate talking about the weather. When, when we're talking about the weather, that means we've run out of things to talk about. And if somebody initiates a conversation about the weather, I'm out immediately. Because the weather is the laziest thing to talk about. We used to have this gift that would pe- get passed around. Uh, it was called the weather horse. You've probably seen it. There's weather rocks, right? If it's wet, it's raining. If it's cold and wet, it's snowing. And so you put the weather horse outside and whatever, whatever's going on, you say, this is what the... My point is, weather is stupid to talk about. But that's what we talk... That's drive-by conversations. We don't invest. How about the fake invite? I'd love to have you over for dinner sometime. Not really. <laughs> it's okay to laugh, Hilda. That happens so much. I've been doing a fake invite with the Weebies for an entire year. We've been trying to get together and just never works out. There's always something. And I feel weird about it because I started to label and I'm like, have I been doing that with Cody? I might have been doing that with Cody. No, we've had lunch together. But, that, but our life becomes so busy that we don't even have the resource and the time and the space to have 21st century hospitality. We actually get lazier and lazier. To where you'll make a post about your kids, and then that's like saying that you love your kids, even, on their birthdays. <laughs> so I, I'm suggesting that we have to get vintage with hospitality again. It's time to invite people into our houses. We have people who do that in this church still. It's pretty good. We just did this last week for the first time in our new house. And our goal is to have everybody that's the core, that was here when we got here, into our home in the next year. That's our goal. Not as like one big group, but like individually. Now, we have to cut that off because I think we're going to grow. And then those people don't count. It's the, it's, it's, it's the core. But we had people in our home, and it was so refreshing just to talk and have deep conversations because when you have time... And this is what I, generosity and hospitality have this under, like this common denominator. It's time. You're saying I'm surrendering my time when you come into my house? And you're surrendering your time? And we're going to take the time to have a conversation around a table, over a meal. And we're going to talk about everything. So we had a two and a half hour conversation that went from kids to cancer. You don't get that time typically. And so vintage, vintage hospitality means we're going to invite people over. It means you're going to be present in a conversation. 
No more drive-by conversations. That you're going to be, and we're going to use these words, engaged, connected, attentive. We're going to be engaged, connected, and attentive. Whoa, I've been talking a long time. When you're engaged with somebody, you're fully involved in what they're saying. When you're engaged with somebody, you're fully involved. If someone were to ask you a question about what they just said 10 minutes ago, would you be able to give the right answer? I can't even do that in my own house. And I think that's where it needs to start. When we're engaged at home with each other in our marriages and our kids, it'll, it'll actually begin to be engaged outside the home, outside when we're with other people. We're going to be connected, which means we're going to know the ins and outs of each other's lives. And when we can demonstrate that to one another, it's not unnatural when somebody comes into your house to, to be connected with them instantaneously. It doesn't take time to get connected with somebody. You're going to, but when you start to exhibit those hospitality traits, it's easy to get connected and to go deep and to learn to ask the right questions and to be willing to hear from them. And when you're engaged and you add connective, then you'll be attentive to who they are. And you'll know about them. You'll understand how they're wired. And it doesn't matter if it's the first time you've met them. You'll have the skill and the desire. And this is the, the desire to commit to the time to engage and be present, to hear what they say so that you're attentive, and to be connected to who they are. And then the whole point of all of that is to have the ability to give the good news, to say, here is why I love you, is because I was first loved by God. That's how it all works. Worship team, if you, want, you guys want to come up and get yourself ready, I'll finish up here. So generosity, generosity is exhibited so much through the New Testament by our hospitality and fellowship. So use hospitality and fellowship interchangeably. And John, and, and I'm not, I'll come back maybe, Romans 12, we're going to get to, it's, it's, a, it's a great passage on on showing hospitality. But when, when John's saying, when you've experienced the deep things of Jesus, the good news, the word of life, and you've tasted and you've touched and you've felt Jesus' work in your soul, you then have the capability and should have the want and desire to show that to someone else. And that is divine hospitality. That is divine generosity. And that is what we've been asked to do as the church. That's our primary, I think, tool that we have to advance the gospel, is fellowship, hospitality. We're going to sing a few songs, four songs, and then we'll take communion, and then I'll come back and do one more thing.